Okay, what's up? The Rosillo Show podcast, uh, and we are heading out on the road. Not really for the podcast, but I don't know. Actually, I'm not going to do anything with the podcast. But I'm going to Austin, the Nissan Heisman house. And, uh, you know, I don't really understand you guys in the ad police out there on social media. You are kind of the biggest losers going right now uh, when somebody's like, hey, I'm going to be out for the Nissan Heisman house. I say that because I want you to stop by and say hello. And the Nissan Heisman house is a really, really cool event. Um, yes, I get paid to host the event, but it hasn't, I don't get paid to tweet about it. I don't get paid to do any of that stuff. So when you guys do the hashtag, like, Hey, what about an ad or sponsorship? When anybody's just saying, Hey, and yeah, I'm kind of going at you a bit like now, but like nobody wants to be your friend. I know I hate you immediately. So enjoy that, that you think you're calling out something and improving the world by being mad that somebody doesn't hashtag ad when it's not even in an ad. Okay, Booger McFarland is going to be joining us, our mo- our new uh, Monday Night Football star. He was, I thought, great uh, the opening night, so I want to get into his thoughts on Gruden. A lot of stuff on Gruden with him. He played for him. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he can give us a story like the, the good, the bad with Gruden, what's up. Because everybody sort of hates Gruden right now. That's kind of a weird thing, right? Everybody, would you agree with me right now, Saruti, that after Khalil Mack destroys the Packers, at least in the first half, and that Packers comeback, that Rodgers thing is just another one of those things you're like, this is ridiculous. But um, everybody's very anti-Gruden now, it felt. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'd be in that camp. I don't hate Gruden. I just all the thing. He, he said a lot of things in the offseason that I was just scratching my head, being like, "Dude, this guy sounds like the game is sort of passed him by." Um, so if I was a Raiders fan, I wouldn't be super pumped about it. And then, I, and then the Coil match trade happened, and then he didn't talk to him. So it's, it's a. I feel like it's a bunch of things. Yeah, right. I'm not. I'm. I don't want to make it sound like I'm sticking up for Gruden. I mean, I've been. It's funny because I've been critical of Gruden since he's taken the gig, and it's more about how it's all gone down over the years. And some people have been calling me out, mostly Raiders fans, by saying, "Oh, well, now he's not there anymore." I, I was critical of Gruden when he was working with me. Okay, now granted, I, it wasn't like I was running him in the hallway. Uh, I'm sure it's because you guys think I was afraid of him, but. I, I'm not a fan of how Gruden, like, get your money, but I think Gruden took it to such an excessive level of flirting with everybody all the time to keep driving it up and driving the interest and then to re-sign with ESPN and then flirt with Tennessee again when he had no intention of going to Tennessee. Yeah, I, I think there's a line like anything. Like, too often in life do we do this deal where we start saying, well, hey, it's about getting your money. Yeah, it is. And then there's kind of a line that can be crossed. And, you know, it's, it, it, it annoyed me with Gruden. It really did. So my annoyance with him had gone back years. And I would also argue that you have to figure out a way to keep Khalil Mack. You just have to. Although the Khalil Mack thing's hysterical because remember when it was the Raiders looking for two first? Then everybody made jokes. Oh yeah. You know, I want to marry a model or I want to do this. I want to do that. And then they kind of got him except for the mid round exchange there. All right. By the way, before well, we go well, over hold stuff, on. It wasn't a mid. I mean, they, they gave back a second round pick. Yeah, but wasn't a second and third a second exchange for the third? And then didn't Gruden say he didn't know that they were giving up that second pick, the second round pick? Right. I mean, I'll go back and look at it here, but I mean, it's not like they just gave, unless they did. Um, I have to double check this. First round picks in 19, second, a third round pick in 2020 and a sixth round. In return, the Bears also received a second round pick. Right. So the Bears gave up the two firsts and then it was like, oh, they, but the Raiders are idiots. They gave, well, so basically they moved down around also uh in that too. So, you know, like that's I guess that's how I looked at it. Is the price was two first and it's like, wait a minute, they gave back a second. Well, yeah, but you got back a third too. At least that's the way I look at it. But you know, look, 
people can can get real um, specific on all sorts of this kind of stuff. Hey, I want to do something here and remind everybody of of this thing that actually helps us. It helps the podcast. If you guys want to take the time to go ahead and do it, it would mean a lot to us. Um, we have a big favor to ask, and we promise not going to take up too much of your time. You know, with our show and how so many of the podcasts are supported by fantastic sponsors, well, you know that. We'd love to hear your feedback. Head to podcast.study and fill out a short anonymous survey. That's it. We swear again, it's podcast.study. Um, basically, just make sure you can go on that. Again, podcast.study. Tell you or tell us, at least through this deal, what you like, how you listen, all these different things so that we can make this better for everybody and uh, make the experience good for the sponsors that keep this thing going. Booger McFarlane. Monday Night Football and Gruden. I don't know. Do I call him a disciple? Booger, I don't, I don't really want to start anywhere other than Monday night for you. I mean, I think there's some stuff I'd like, just before we get to all the football stuff, like, how does it feel, man? I thought you did a great job. You know, we've obviously been checking in, but how did it feel kind of in a different kind of setup and really getting the season started? Uh, it, it was a little weird early on just because, you know, in the preseason, you know, you do the preseason games and it's kind of like an all-star coverage because the guys are not going to really play long. And, and so you're trying to figure out a way to, to you know, get all your stuff uh, in early on in the game because you know guys are going to be out. But in this regular season game, man, the atmosphere, Gruden's return, I played for Gruden, like the emotion in the atmosphere was unbelievable. And, and I told someone this, man, you know, when I retired, uh, you know, the last time I ran out of the tunnel in Indianapolis, I said, man, I'll never get that feeling again. I, I'll never get the feeling of, of feeling goosebumps again. But I tell you, man, when they played that music, dun, 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 man, the hair on my arms stood up. And I never thought I'd get that feeling again. And so that was really neat uh, as we got our season started Monday night. Okay, let's get to Gruden then. Because as you mentioned, you played for him. Um, ironically enough, in, in a way, the shake of him moving on, now we have a new Monday night football lineup. I, uh, I feel like Gruden, <laughs> one of those guys that the further he was w- away from the game, the better his legend became. Uh, and then clearly Oakland hooked him up and he played it perfectly. So I, you know, I'm not knocking anybody for ever getting the money, but I guess I just, I'm not quite sure what to expect from him knowing that, um, you know, at times I think he's been terrific and at other times I just, I wonder if he's going to come back into this seamlessly. Well, I think here's the deal with Gruden. I think this is the fascination between he and Oakland is when he was there, they they kind of got rolling a little bit. And, you know, he and Al Davis kind of butted heads, and Al called him and was like, hey, you know, would you like to be traded somewhere else? And he's like, yeah, I'll be I'll be entertained. Let's find an offer. So they kind of uh, agreed mutually to split apart. But there's always been that fascination about him and Oakland and unfinished business just because of the way things went down with him and Mr. Davis. So uh, I think, you know, you fast forward 10 years, and I do agree with you, uh, the, the longer he stayed away, the more people became intrigued, especially with now being a, an offensive league. And I think Gruden capitalized on that. He stayed away just long enough. Uh, Mr. Davis is, is, is now passed away, and, and Mark Davis is running the franchise now. And, and I think Mark is trying to bring the Raiders back with some pizzazz. They're going to Vegas in two years. How can we get the buzz back about our team? Let's bring back the guy that we had our most success with over the last 20 years and see if he can get the fire fire back up. And I, and I think that's what the fascination was all about. But that didn't last long when you trade away your best player and you tell everybody you don't have any money. Oh, by the way, you're making 
uh, $100 million over the next 10 years. To me, uh, that's going to go down as one of the worst trades in NFL history. Yeah, see, that's the problem with that, because it felt a little bit like the college campus hiring one of their own to appease everyone. And, you know, the Michigan man thing always comes up. Or Nebraska's like, yes, finally we have it. And maybe you have it because Frost is a great coach, but you feel like when you're down, everyone rallies around the guy that's kind of your own. And even though the NFL is different than college, that's kind of what it felt like with Gruden. But then you're right. When you factor in, and look, Moore came on with us a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was a good point, is that when you have those guaranteed contracts, that money has to go immediately into escrow. And Davis is the poorest NFL owner. I don't care how much money you're making from TV and all that other stuff. Like That's still a hefty check to have to transfer those funds over if you don't have it. You don't have to do all that money up front with a guy like Gruden. And it's like you'd rather pay him way more than any other NFL coaches are being paid when we're still not sure. So let me... Let me ask you, we can do the Mac thing here in a second, but give me an example of Gruden being a great coach, and then give me an example of Gruden being somebody that you maybe questioned as a player for him. Well, uh, I'll use Monday night as an example. If you look at the first half of that game Monday night, uh, Gruden controlled the tempo. He controlled the play calling. He controlled everything basically with his calls offensively during that game because there's no way, shape, or form that the Rams are even close uh, in talent with the Raiders. Like, the Rams have way more talent than the Raiders. So for that game to be that close in the first half, John Gruden showed you what kind of coach he is. Now, I think in the same game, you, you can look at the second half where the game got away from him, and you can see where Gruden has slipped a little bit. John is a stubborn coach. John is a guy who wants to do it his way. He wants to do it in the manner in which he uh, he knows how to do it. And I think that game was a was a clear, precise um, it was clear, precise evidence of that. If you look in the second half, instead of the Raiders controlling the clock, running the football with Marshawn Lynch, Gruden got in his, his spread offense and started trying to throw the football down the field a little bit more, three and out, three and out, and next thing you know, Todd Gurley takes over the game. So I think in one game, you can see John Gruden at his best, and then you can also see him at his worst because he's a stubborn coach who wants to do it his way. He's got the oldest football team in the league. Why? Because he doesn't like young players. He likes veteran guys. So he's going to do this his way. And, oh, by the way, Ryan, when Mr. Davis was alive, he controlled all personnel when Gruden and he were together. Now that he's gone and it's Mark Davis, now John gets a say-so. And that's really the number one reason why John has the oldest team in football and why Khalil Mack is no longer there. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with the Khalil stuff where it felt really weird because then, like, as they were doing the Sunday night game – and Mac is is terrorizing the Packers, and then Collinsworth, kind of in the middle of the broadcast, goes, "Well, you know, just so everybody knows, Gruden talked to Mac because we didn't know what to make of it." And then it was this weird thing where it's Gruden's like, "Well, I didn't know that we were giving back the mid round pick in exchange on top of the two first rounders." And then you felt like, "Wait a minute, is Gruden texting Collinsworth right now? Like, what what the hell is going on?" Because Gruden, exactly. you know, Anyone in management now, like, I think this is actually great for players, but sometimes they become too excessive where everyone seems to be so pro player and anti management, whether it's college ball or pro ball. It's actually pretty remarkable how quickly this has changed that Gruden becomes this absolute laughing stock when it seemed that everybody wanted him as their head coach. And of course that is compounded by the fact that like Mac is out. Like that part of it was really, really weird to me how it was almost people were positioning themselves to go, well, look, I, I didn't want to trade him. You're like, well, the dude, he's a bear now. He's a bear, and you're right. I mean, behind Donald, he's the second-best defensive player in the league. Well, he is, and, and I think that exchange that you're speaking of with Collinsworth 
happened after Chris says, you know what, John Gruden never talked to the guy. And, and you know, uh, Khalil <laughs> Mack, if, if Khalil Mack would have had an opportunity and John would have talked to him, he would have stayed in Oakland. And then it was like, okay, did somebody text Collinsworth and say, no, no, no. They actually talked, and John, you know, John shared the philosophy with him. So it's almost as if you had two, side, two sides lying, trying to get their side of the story out there to make sure that they got a favorable Q rating from the public. Because you had the Khalil Mack side, Basically saying, hey, we didn't talk to the guy. He didn't want us there. Then you got the Gruden side saying, no, nah, we talked. We tried to call him. He didn't want to be here because both sides want to come across as if they did the right thing. Okay, so then we get to see Aaron Donald in person. And I felt like when you guys ran that rip of him on those three plays in the second half, I go, my God, it looks like he's being held on every one of these. Um because we, we just know how special he is. What's it like watching it firsthand? What's it like watching it up close, knowing that that's probably where you're watching and not ball watching like the rest of us? You know, watching Aaron Donald in person is, is, is just unreal. Because if, if you look at him, he's only six foot one, about two hundred eighty pounds. Like he's not a big guy, Rosillo. But to see how he plays, the leverage in which he plays, and how he affects his teammates is unreal. And to go against that offensive line from the Raiders, who has two of the best guards in the business. To see that battle, and oh, by the way, Ndamukong Sue was the sideshow sitting next to him, uh, that was unreal just because it's the first time that I can remember you've had literally five Pro Bowl guys across from each other at one time. you got you got the three guys from the Raiders, and then you got two guys from the Rams. So five Pro Bowl players in an interior battle that was just made for TV. I was in hog heaven, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so overall – with that game in particular, like we understand the talent disparity between those two teams, but what happened to Derek Carr? Because this is somebody that after his first year, I felt like in a way, okay, you have a stable quarterback, you think you have something in the future, let's see how good he is, and then second and really that third year was pretty special, then he's hurt, and then he looked like he completely melted down. Um, what did you see? You know, Derek Carr, I think, is a very good quarterback, but he's got to get used to this new offense. If you go back a couple of years ago, Derek Carr used to throwing the football down the field, Amari Cooper, Crabtree, big plays, like it was a big play offense. John Gruden's offense is not that. It's a dink and dunk offense. It's a West Coast system, and he's going to try to create matchups. Well, that means Amari Cooper has to run a lot quicker routes. Uh, he's got to get the ball and do a lot of run after catch. He wants to make a lot of his plays 15 to 20 yards down the field. John Gruden wants him to make those plays 15 yards and in. And so I think there's got to be a meshing of the minds there because the other night, what, what do you have, one or two catches? Like, you can't have your best receiver. I don't care if he's going against Deion Sanders and Daryl Green. You just cannot not target the guy. Like, you have to throw the football to the guy. And for whatever reason, John Gruden was playing a keep away from Tlaib and Peters, and he featured Jared Cook. Now, Cook got off. He had 180 yards, but they still lost by 20. Why? Because they did not have the explosive plays. And so I, I just think that they got to figure it out they got to tweak the offense a little bit because Cooper's got to get the ball down the field. He just can't have these little five- and ten-yard slants, and that's the Gruden offense. That's where Gruden has still got to evolve. He's got to evolve that the passing game now doesn't have to be a short intermediate game. It can still be a big play game down the field. Okay, now a week into this, I don't get too freaked out about this stuff. Um, I don't think you should, but we all have like carryover things where – if we're going through all the younger quarterbacks, some look pretty bad. 
after week one. Is there one guy that everybody seems to like, the media likes, or maybe people are protective of that you at this point now are totally off? Like, is there a quarterback that you hear us all talk about where you feel like you're the only guy pointing out that you don't like him? Um, no, nah, because I, you know what? I would probably go Dak Prescott. And here's the reason why. If you watched the game the other day, um, Dak Prescott, I mean, he had, he had some, some assistance from Ezekiel Elliott, not much, but I get the, the weapons. But when you look at Dak Prescott throwing the football, he was very inaccurate throwing the ball. And for a guy who, by all accounts, is playing for a contract this year and or next year, because Jerry Jones is going to have to figure out, figure out something on his deal because he's a second-round pick. Um, and, and for I think he's a second- or fourth-round pick, either one. And so he's got to have the ability on a four-year deal to figure out who his franchise quarterback is going to be. Well, Dak Prescott is a guy who came out of the gate like gangbusters, didn't play so well last year. Now, in his third year, he needs to be more accurate. He's got to carry the offense. they got to put more of a burden on him. Well, guess what? In his first game, he didn't show that. In his first game out, he was very inaccurate with the football, and we can blame Zeke Elliott. We can talk about the offensive line, but when you're the quarterback of the Cowboys, in my opinion, he's got to play better. I'm not off of Dak, but I just don't think as highly of Dak as a lot of people do. Yeah, you're right. Fourth-round pick, by the way. Um, you know what I find incredibly frustrating is that if you put all these resources into their offensive line like they have with first-round picks and now with extensions – whether it's Smith, Martin, Frederick, all first-rounders, and then Lel Collins, who could have been out of LSU, and then they just went in. And I think at that point he was like originally planned to be the swing guy, knowing they move him to tackle. And yet, because Frederick's out, like it's, I don't understand how this offensive line that we thought was like one of the great ones created in recent history, because it felt that way at least two years ago, that just one piece being off is messed up. And that could be me, you know, growing up watching the Pats, knowing that with Skarnekia there, and I don't know what he knows that no one else seems to be able to figure out, but I've always felt like offensive line problems are fixable. Like they can be fixed. And they don't seem to be able to fix it. Two things. The offensive line didn't play good last year, and it's amazing how when the narrative is created, everyone just falls along. Everyone kept saying, and the best offensive line. No, the best offensive line in football is the Philadelphia Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys have struggled the last, what, 17, 18 games now. Yeah. And, and you can look at uh, – you can say Travis, uh, Travis Fred, Fred, he's the best center in football, not being there, that's going to hurt. But if you go back two years ago when they had Doug Free, okay, Free was a guy at right tackle that allowed him to put Lyle Collins at left guard because their left guard the other day, the kid from uh, Texas – he was terrible. Like, he, he was absolutely terrible. Looney was decent, okay? Uh, Collins at right guard uh, is kind of being a swing guy, except they, they, he started at right tackle, then he went to left guard. Now he's at right guard. So here's a guy who's only been in the league a few years who hasn't been able to find his spot and stay at one position and learn the nuances of the, of the position. And so the offensive line that we thought was, was great two years ago Guess what? That offensive line doesn't exist right now because you got three pieces aren't in the same spot that they were. So think about that. So three out of the five pieces on a great offensive line are no longer in the same spot. So this offensive line is not the same. Uh, Zeke Elliott, he looked a little I'm – not, I'm not going to say he looked heavy, but he, he didn't look in midseason form. Okay, you look at the offense on the outside, the wide receivers aren't that great. Defensively, 
they're a team, in my opinion, that lacks talent on that side of the football. So all in all, man, I, I told Will Kane this uh, about two months ago. In my opinion, this team at best is going to be 8-8. Eight eight. I just don't think they're a very good football team because I don't believe they have the talent to compete in their division or in the conference because NFC is loaded. But see, that's the thing, though, is if you still have Smith and Connor Williams is playing guard and then Looney at center and Zach Martin's the best guard in the league and I thought Collins' whole point was that he eventually would be able to play tackle. I don't know. I feel like I feel like better teams – I'm not even talking about better talent, but I think better coaching. Week two, they go, okay, where did we, where did we struggle? Let's tighten this up a little bit. Or maybe that's just Brady. You know, maybe Brady's the one that covers up for that stuff all the time. Um, and I, I'd have to give him credit and acknowledge that because he's probably as, as mobile in the pocket as any quarterback I've ever seen and moving the pocket around and then keeping himself safe. But I guess I just don't understand how teams, even with an injury here, they're like, I, I understand it's five guys in unison, everybody figuring it all out. But some of these teams are disasters with one missing piece and other teams seem to be able to plug and play guys all season long. And I, I do think that comes down to coaching as much as it does the quarterback. Well, it, to a certain point it does. But when your offensive line is the strength of your team, then yeah, coaching can only take you so far. Then the talent has to take over. I mean, let's look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, they got a first-round pick in Lane Johnson. You got Kelsey, and you got the Hall of Famer in Jason Peters. Peters. Right? They're not just—they're not just patching this thing together. Like they got really, really good players at, at at certain positions, and 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 that's the strength of their team, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball because they can run it. You don't have to worry about uh, pass protection, whether you got Foles or Wentz back there. Well, when you try to piece it together, basically what you're saying is the coach is going to help scheme. And in the National Football League, when you have guys that have to win one-on-one battles, scheme can only take you so far. Guys have to line up, and they have to play big boy ball, and you have to play the man that's across from you, especially when your team is built that way. When you make Zach, uh, Zach, Zach Martin the highest-paid guard in football, he's got to dominate. When Tyron Smith is one of the highest-paid tackles in football, he's got to dominate. When Travis Frederick is the highest-paid center in football, those guys have to dominate because that's where your resources are and coaching is is minimized because of the one-on-one battles in the game. Okay, I want to spend a couple minutes asking about LSU. Do the Tigers have a quarterback now? Is that what I saw in week one? I watched a little of week two. But it looks like Joe Burrow, like, it's weird to see an LSU quarterback there in total command of what's going on. It was just, it, it kind of was weird for me to see. You know what they have for the first time in, in several years, probably since the Matt Flynn or, or Matt Mark age, is a guy who is not flustered. Like, he's just calm. Uh, does he have the greatest arm? No. Uh, does he have the greatest physical traits? No. But you know what he is? He's confident. He doesn't get flustered. He understands the offense. He's in control of what's going on. He understands what he's supposed to do. And as a quarterback, your number one job is to distribute the football to your playmakers. And I get the feeling that Joe Burrow – understands how to do that he understands when the play's called here's what i have to do here's my job and as long as i do my job and not not turn the football over we'll be in pretty good shape and i think that's what people see but it's been so long since lsu had that like we had a little bit with zad medberger but you hadn't really seen that since matt flynn or matt mock just a guy that understands how to control his emotions and you know take care of the situation now with that being said i'm very interested to see what joe burrow does uh, at Auburn this week. It's the first time he started a game on the road in his collegiate career. I have no idea how he's going to react. 
I, I, I think I get a feeling he's going to be okay, but I wouldn't bet any money on it because that's a different feeling than he's used to having. I can't wait to watch it, but they are definitely, um, to me, I think you're going to find out more about LSU this week than you found out week one against Miami. I think Miami's overrated. Mark Rick, um, some people say he's a front runner. I think Mark Rick is a good coach, but they just didn't seem like they were ready week one, and Miami has talent. I think Auburn is very talented. Gus Malzahn feels secure. Um, now that he's off the hot seat and signed his seven-year, $49 million deal, like he feels really good. And he's got a quarterback in Jared Stidham. And, and also, on top of that, they feel like last year the LSU stole a game from them when they were up 20 to nothing in Baton Rouge. So I'm looking forward to this Saturday. Uh, I, I think you'll find out more about my Tigers than you found out week one against Miami. Yeah, I do think that every game kind of tells a different story. But if you if you blow a 20-0 lead, that's not having the game. Like, at least the way that game played out, like, they screwed up. I mean, LSU came back and beat them. And I think there are other times, though, when you go, okay, this this one got away from us. I do think Burrow has a little attitude. Um, and that that's, that's good, especially if you're going to be on the road experiencing Auburn for the first time. Uh, you know, Mettenberger probably physically more gifted with the arm and certainly his size. And, you know, Etling, uh, you know, for somebody that at least is making an NFL practice squad roster, you, you can't call him, you know, total, total dud, but, you know, Jordan Jefferson. He was terrible. Let's be honest. Danny yeah. Etling was terrible. He was terrible. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't love it last year. Don't get me wrong, but I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be fair here as much as, and then there's just this turnover of young guy after young guy that like every, every spring I would hear about. And then you go, Oh, now he has to play. It's not going to work. Um, Auburn, Auburn would scare me if, if I'm you because I think they're stacked and I agree about Miami. I think Miami was a little fluky last year and Rozier, if you really dig into it and watched him last season, there was, it wasn't as good as everybody made it out to be. It just, it just wasn't. And then they sort of fell apart at the end of the year. Um, and even though, what is it, Chasen, who's gone now for the season for LSU, I mean, you know, look, usually they have enough dudes that it doesn't matter, but he may have been. Was he going to be their best defensive player this year? Uh, he, I think he was their third best defensive player. You got Greedy Williams, the corner, and Devin White, the linebacker. Chasen was their best pass rusher, but probably their third best defensive player. All right, well, that's saying something, because you didn't even mention the safety, right? So, um, well, we'll see. We'll see, because it's kind of really the only – the only bigger game. Any other college observations from from the first two weeks that maybe you're surprised that you have this early in? Uh, Oklahoma a little bit. You know, when I watch Kyler Murray at Texas A&M, I'm saying, man, there's no way a five nine quarterback can can play. I'm like, I, I'm just I'm going to jump off. But when you watch him the first couple of weeks for so long, um, and then you listen to him talk. He's a pretty mature guy. Now it doesn't hurt that he's got about five million dollars. He's making more than his coach. That doesn't that doesn't hurt. But he, that would he's make me less mature, mature, by the way. But <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> hey he, he's a pretty mature guy, and this may be a better year for Oklahoma than last year was. And here's what I mean by that: Rodney uh, Anderson getting hurt is going to hurt them. But I think the element that Kyler Murray is going to bring running the football is different than Baker Mayfield. Baker was a pinpoint accurate quarterback, number one pick in the draft, had, had arm talent galore. But on the college level, in my opinion, when you have a guy that can run it and he's a threat to go 80 running it, that's a different element than Baker Mayfield had. And I think Oklahoma's offense, especially if they can find somebody to replace Rodney Anderson, will be a little better for that. I know that sounds crazy, 
I just like a running quarterback on the collegiate level, especially one that can throw the football and is as mature as Kyler Murray is. I think Oklahoma surprised me because I was never going to believe in a 5'9 quarterback. And when I see him play, I'm like, okay, I was wrong. Uh, look, I totally agree with you because when I first watched Kyler at A and M, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, there's running quarterbacks, there's dual threat guys, then there's him, and I would argue he's as athletically gifted as as anybody playing out there. I'm not saying he's as big because we know that's not the case, but when you watch him run, his change of direction and the arm strength, like he's a special physical talent. But I would put him also in the category of big arm throwers that are really exciting athletes that at times are incredibly inconsistent. You know, uh, Kellen Mond for A&M this weekend, I feel like he took another step in the right direction from just guy out there running around like crazy and, and completing one throw and then just sailing it over somebody else and wondering what the hell he's looking at to being extremely competitive against a talented, you know, Clemson defense here. So I, I've, you know, watched most because it was UCLA and then it was opening week. So I've watched almost every snap from those Oklahoma games to start. And yeah, you could still say there's some stuff in between where you wonder, okay, how many third downs can you convert in a tight game and all that stuff if it's third and long. But he is, we're, we're totally on the same page with how he's just special out there. Like he's one of those guys that stands out where like Tyreek Hill stands out in an NFL game and you go, wow, what the hell's, how was that guy so different? I do think Kyler Murray has a little bit of that in him. So I, I'm in agreement with you there. And I would hope Oklahoma, even as good as Anderson is, like those are the schools that I go, if, if you don't have a second running back that's competent, then what have you been doing recruiting? And Oklahoma to me will always have that guy. You would think. Right. Right. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's it, man. You, we did, uh, we did about 25 minutes here. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you're a super busy guy. I hope you know how happy we are for you with doing Monday night. And I'm, I don't know how you fit in all the college football in. I know you love the sport, but thank you very much for being able to do all those things. Oh, anytime, man. Just holler at me if you need me, buddy. All right. Check it out. DraftKings. You know how much they mean to the podcast. Uh, they sponsored the radio show going back here. So it's week two of the football season, which means a second shot at victory. This weekend, DraftKings has over $2 million in total prizes, and you can play free with your first deposit. So basically, you just do this minimal deposit, then you get in there, you're playing for free. I just, I don't know. I used to bet on games if I had a long road trip that I couldn't even watch. And this is probably smarter and safer. With one-week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play. Draft a new team every week with no season-long commitment. At DraftKings, you are the GM. Just choose your players, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. And for all of you that just say, hey, pay everybody, you can try to pay everybody on your DraftKings fantasy team, and then you realize, oh, wait, I can't have all of these guys. Because nothing makes Football Sunday more exciting than when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. Download the app or go to DraftKings.com now. Use the code Rusillo. that's R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compare uh, and compete for your share of over $2 million in total prizes. That's code Rusillo. R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. Only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm going to run through, and I always like to do this, and Sarudi is going to play along here. We go through all 32 teams, who's happy with their quarterback, who has a plan at quarterback, because every year when the season starts, it's, oh, wait a minute, is Feinbaum on first take because Chip Kelly's 0-2 saying he should be fired? Can we find out what that audio is? 
I want to keep track of every coach that Feinbaum says should be fired. Yeah, I saw that, and I think they were just asking, is Jim Harbaugh on the hot seat? They were doing, is Harbaugh on the hot seat? I would love to keep track of how many coaches Feinbaum says should be fired. Yeah, it's, it's like Brian 40. Kelly. Brian Kelly should have been fired. I mean, some of the ones are obvious. Like, no, I don't know that anybody was saying keep Art Bryles no matter what. Um, but I, this is one of my things with Feinbaum. And it's funny because, you know, shockingly, Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins in week two weren't as good as Oklahoma in Norman. And I guess people, I, people just hate Chip Kelly. And then I'm, I'm the guy who gets called out for defending him. And maybe, I don't know, maybe all of you guys are right and he sucks. Before we do the, the top 32 quarterbacks or the number one guys, how many teams actually have a plan and who doesn't have a plan? Uh, because again, I always feel like the start of the year be like, there's just not enough quarterbacks. Here's the deal. If business is done a certain way and for 30 years you say, well, there's just not enough quarterbacks, then that might just be what it is. That might just be how business is done at that position. But I've usually argued more so in recent years that there's actually more quarterbacks. There's more depth at that position than it gets credit for. But before we get to all that stuff, want to just share some information with you from our friends at Hotel Tonight. I use it. I have it on my phone. I had to use it quite a bit when I didn't have a place to stay in Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles for a really long time. So here's why it's so easy. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. It's the go-to app for booking hotels. It helps you discover cool top-rated hotels. They have these little rankings, whether or not it's hip or traditional or cool or whatever. You always want to stay the boutique ones because the independent hotels, they have a lot more flexibility to discount than the chains do, so you can find cool design-forward hotels at incredible values. I know that when I can originally use the app, I usually always thought it was like a day or two days before, but they've changed that over the last, I don't know how long it's been, but you can go ahead and book this stuff out weeks, if not a month in advance, uh, which is huge. So you just go to Hotel Tonight and go to their different calendar thing, and then they can figure it out. Um, it's great whether you're a planner or a procrastinator or whether you like to plan or play it by ear. For me, I'm definitely a guy that waits a little longer, and it's a little bit of a fun game. Hey, am I bored? All right, I'm going to wait even longer on the Hotel Tonight app to see if I can get a better deal later on. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's why you may want to plan ahead. It's perfect for... Just spontaneous weekend, getaways, three-day weekends, staycations, road trips, business trips, booking a place with a pool and more. And I've, um, I've always had a good, good time with this. You can book a room in 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. Absolutely. Pick the hotel, pick the night, then you trace the little hotel tonight design you're in you can book a room in 10 seconds again no long endless list of a zillion hotel choices hotel tonight shows you the best deals the best hotels unlike other places where it just starts filtering in a bunch of places and maybe they're even sold out um it's a huge huge pain short profiles of each hotel and all the info that you need to know and pictures of what the rooms really look like hotel tonight has ht perks program i think i'm like a level 15 now where the more you book the better the deals get it's absolutely true because there'll be times where i go wait a minute i got upgraded another level how come this is cheaper than it was before and that's what happens so if you keep staying with it it's even more rewarding uh and it's not like the other loyalty programs where i feel like it resets every time i'm close to getting a free hotel night so that's the deal. It's different. The hotels are cooler. It's an app. It is Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight, really cool spots, a lot cheaper, especially if you're flexible. Check it out. So let's do this, Saruti. First of all, I usually say hello to you earlier. What's up? Um, what's up? How's Will Kane doing? He's doing well. I mean, uh, Booger was right. He did say the Cowboys were going to suck this year. 
I feel like Will's dangerously treading towards not being trusted on the teams that he likes. <laughs> you know, if I produced the show, I would start to say there's certain teams I'm just not going to listen to you talk about anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, well, Bubba's a Cowboys fan, works on the show. It's basically just Newell and I telling him that he's wrong constantly, but he doesn't really care. He, he, and I, I will say this, he genuinely believes they were going to be good. I don't think week one says they're going to suck. I don't, I just didn't believe they were going to be good before the season. Um, they probably played a good Panthers team in week one. Who knows? They could actually end up being a playoff team, but I'm not sold on Dak. He really was not sold on really any of the weapons. He said it wasn't a big deal. Um, so that's kind of where we no are. No weapons. I like, look, nobody loves Cole Beasley, amateur dirt bike rider as much as I do, but still, um, I'm surprised the offensive line. We were talking with Booger that it's that it was that bad week one, and I I get that the center's out, but I don't know. I just feel like other teams do a better job of that stuff. But I mean, I remember sitting next to Will, where Will would not have it, would not have it in a discussion that Wentz would be the better option moving forward. And to me, that's just fanboy one hundred and one. Yeah, he's sort of coming around on that. I don't think there's really any. Other option. Well, I mean, as soon as we just have to is. see him first. I mean, we got to see him, make sure he's all right. But I think the the the, the Dak stuff like this. If he has a couple bad weeks here in a row, like, I don't know. Yeah, wouldn't it be weird that this Dak thing where you go, he's the third string guy, and then Romo gets hurt, and then Dak's the starter. He has this incredible statistical rookie year where I felt like last year wasn't as terrible, but made it, you know, it just looked worse compared to this great rookie year, and that then he would be somebody they wouldn't want to invest in because they feel like, remember when everybody didn't really know if he was worth it as a fourth-round pick and people were surprised how great he was as a rookie? But I remember going into every week, I'd be like, is he really this good? And then he'd have these huge throws and these big, like, like vet. he looked like a vet out there. Like, you know, I would deny it, deny it, deny it because I just, I'm not sure about young guys all the time and then finally sort of give in. It would be so weird that year three, he regresses even further to the point that you're not even sure he's the future. But that would be such a weird story. Really. It, it would, but I look at like it's one of the reasons that I wasn't really sold on all the Deshaun Watson hype is because I feel like these guys get figured out, and if they don't take another step, like after a whole season, and obviously Watson didn't have a whole season, but seven games or whatever that he played, defenses sort of they watch the film, and I don't know how it works. It's unbelievable, but year two, and then now year three, like if you don't adapt, like defenses are going to figure out what you do well and take it away. So if you don't have a plan oh, no. B, then you're yeah. then you can't you can't play. No, I've been on that for a while. There is a massive correction, especially on the dual threat guys. There just is. It's the RG3 thing. Yeah, it's Kaepernick. You know, RG3 screwed himself more than any defense did, though. I mean, he showed up, was like, I don't want to run all this stuff. He thought the offense is the reason he get hurt. He couldn't slide. That's why he gets hurt all the time. There's numerous pieces of evidence on it. And But it happens. I mean, if Baker's out there running around when he takes over for Tyrod, Okay, but eventually you have to learn from the pocket. And that's, you know, I went back and read like Mina Kimes' piece on Tyrod because I just, I don't know, I feel like everybody sticks up for Tyrod all the time. I clearly am not a fan. Um, he also, I, when I went back and read Mina's piece, Tyrod went to market. He had a fake $90 million extension. They said, fine, we'll let you go find money somewhere else. Nobody signed him. Nobody signed him, and he took like a $10 million pay cut to come back and play the next year. And the other thing that really bothered me with Tyrod is his agent came out at the end of two seasons ago, I think, and did like Sirius XM, and he just he he blamed the talent around the team. He like blamed the roster. And I don't I don't like that when, when guys do that kind of stuff. So I don't want to turn this into a Tyrod thing at all here. But, yeah, Will, 
I liked Will's Serena thing. I didn't agree with all of it. I do think whenever anybody's trying to make a depo- uh, point and they, they basically grow up with debate shows, they just make a lot of points and they think that a lot of points are better than just accurate ones. So some of the stuff I'm not sure that I agree with. But I think progress is Serena can act like a total jerk and everybody defends her in the media. That, to me, is progress. That's amazing. So I think that should be that should be the victory with Serena. Uh, are there inconsistencies with punishment? Sure. I don't know why she was like, I have a daughter. What the hell does that mean? Doesn't even, doesn't mean anything. Does that mean everybody that's a parent gets a pass and stuff? And then when other people started writing like Serena never had a chance, yes, yeah, she did. She got smoked in the first set. Like, I think I knew what was going on there. Is somebody who's awesome at what they do, kind of realizing this thing going to work out today, and they try to change things up, and she kind of lost it a little bit there. And maybe Ramos, the judge, sucks too. I've read stuff that proves that he punishes everybody. I've read stuff that seems that he's super inconsistent. I don't know who to believe there. But I think progress in America is that you can do what you did if you're Serena, and the majority, 95% of the media, sticks up for you and acts like it's this massive travesty when you were getting smoked in the first set. That is progress. Okay, that's my Serena rant that I didn't expect to do. Are you ready for this, Rudy? Let's go. Okay, so here's the plan. We're going to go through all 32 teams. How many guys are you like, okay, we're good or we have a plan? That's really what it is. So it can be an unproven guy, but if the unproven guy is... In the plan, at least right now, like a Sam Darnold would be part of the plan. So let's go through it fast. And, of course, if I go through the updated standings as of right now, the Dolphins are in first place alphabetically. They're in. I have a yes, question mark, and no category. And then we'll move the question marks to one side or the other. Tannehill's question mark, even though it was good week one. Agreed? Definitely. It's probably a no. It's certainly not a yes. But we'll put him in that question mark thing. New England, think they're pretty good with their guy. The Jets, absolutely. Um... The Bills have a plan, and that plan, by the way, announced day of Josh Allen will be taking over for Peterman. That was the other Tyrod thing that bothered me is that if I said something critical of Tyrod, maybe I shouldn't have said anything week one, rainy situation. I, I would admit that I thought about it a couple days later. I go, you're still on this Tyrod thing, and it was raining. I think he was still 15 of 40, though. Um, and then it turns into like, well, look at Peterman. You're like, no, that's, that's not what we're doing now. This isn't a magic trick over here. Although I did pass a magic the gathering store up in Hollywood. Nice. Earlier this week. I did. I did. Okay. So we're all in agreement there. Pats, Jets, Bills. Chiefs. They have a guy in Mahomes. Maybe Next Aaron Rodgers. Maybe in the Hall of Fame. Denver. They have a guy. They spent money on Keenum. The Keenum cousins thing. That could be scary, though, because I think what you saw there is Minnesota go, we don't think we can do any better than Keenum, or we don't think Keenum can do any better in the year that he did it. We're going to pay Cousins all of this guaranteed money, even though he's not as good as the top-tier guys, and he's probably more in that hybrid tier two to three. But you're Denver, and you go, we've gotten the worst quarterback play here for like two straight years, so let's go ahead with Keenum. But Denver at least has somebody there. Oakland, they have somebody as bad as Derek Carr looked, the opener. San Diego has somebody. His name's Philip Rivers, and he's in every game, even if he's not. Baltimore has a guy. His name's Joe Flacco. He was terrific week one. We don't think he's terrific, but he was. How about that? I have a I have a, a bill sort of rule Jump now, in though. At any point, by the well, way. Well, so I said I'm this sorry. on Will's show, and I want your thoughts. I feel like when you play the Bills this year, it's almost like you know how like Miami played Savannah State, like beat them seventy-seven nothing. Like that, those stats shouldn't count. So we shouldn't all of a sudden think Flacco is like fine again. I'm fine with that because I don't think Flacco's – yeah, Flacco's going to have to do a lot more for me than uh, than beat up the Bills. So A lot of people but, think he's going to have a big year, though. 
Pressure's on. I'm going to tell you, though, like if I paid somebody basically like max money at the time, and that's kind of what world he was in financially as a quarterback, like I got to draft another QB for you to care. So what have we been doing the last four years? You know what I mean? That's a great point. <laughs> that would that would really piss me off. Like I'm trying to think of – I remember there, I worked at a radio station. There were a bunch of layoffs, right? And I was making – I don't know if people like these stories. I, I, I like to talk about the finances so kids know what the hell they're getting into. So I'm 27 or something. I, and, and that year, 26, I made 12 grand. 27, I made 25 grand. 28, I made 25 grand. And I think I got to like high 30s when I was 28 or 29. But I was like 25 grand or whatever. And, you know, the station was a disaster and they'd spent too much money on the Celtics and they were paying a bunch of people, a lot of money, guys that were named guys. And I was the furthest thing from a named guy. And I honestly should have just been thrilled that I was on three hours every single day. But we had other people that worked at the station that didn't work. And like we needed help. We needed anything we could do to try to come up with plans and resources and whatever. And guys would just mail it in and be gone for months. I'm talking like five or six months at a time. And then we get to a point where they actually had to be there. And I'd be like, hey, and you know, those of us that were there, there's only a few of us that were at the station every single day trying to keep the thing going, coming up with anything we could just to stay on the airwaves. And, you know, I'd be like, hey, well, how's it going? And some of the guys would be like, boy, I'm just, I'm terrible when I don't have a schedule. (laughs) I'm like, what does that mean? So you just don't show up? And of course, I couldn't really say anything, you know, because that's just, I couldn't, you know, I had to shut up. But I've I've always been fascinated by people's admission of what motivates them. And when you can be like, you know what? Admitting that motivated you doesn't actually make you look better. And look, Flacco, in fairness, we shouldn't be speaking for him. He hasn't said, hey, you know, I've really tightened it up and locked in. And he's a guy that's battled some injuries here or there. But that's just, that's just something. Like if you had – I mean, does this make any sense to you, Srudy? Like if you had – if your wife – said, hey, you know, you're starting to work out a little bit. He's like, well, you know, I've noticed guys looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why wouldn't you just work out for you? Work out for us. Yeah, just want to be the best you. How do you think? Why is there got to be a point to it? Yeah. Right. If your fiance got huge, how would you handle that? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I don't think you <laughs> don't, you don't have to answer it. You don't have to answer it. Here's the deal. If I get if I do get married and I get really sloppy and out of shape, you can leave me. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually yeah. like to say, you know, like if as a good partner, you should be able to tell the person, "Hey, like you've been kind of letting it slide recently. Like fix like figure it out." I don't know that you can ever say that if you're the guy. Probably not, but now, I like especially to, now. I like but. to, you know, I feel like that should be a thing. Like it's we're just being honest. You, like you, I would want you to tell me, hey, Sri, you kind of look, you look like crap. I'm gonna be honest with you, like clean. And it I'm up. not even talking just weight. I no, would, just like I, yeah, if I come in looking tired every day. Thick is in, by the way. True. Thick is way in. So I'm not even knocking mass here. You know, gains. I just think that there's a level of, you know, I don't. Did this? Does this still work? Are we still talking about Flacco? I feel like we've gotten away from it, but I still think it all kind of connects somehow. Interstellar. All right. Moving on. So Baltimore, they at least have a guy. Cincinnati, you would, I think we go, okay, they have a guy there. Right? Any pushback? No. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm not saying like everybody loves Dalton. I don't love Dalton all the time, but he's, if he were, if Andy Dalton were the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals for another five years, would you be shocked? 
I, I wouldn't, sh- even though I don't know that's necessarily the right call. That's just right. That's just but the Bengals. Okay, Cleveland has the media's favorite, Tyrod Taylor, and Baker Mayfield. Pittsburgh has a guy who apparently sucks on the road all the time now. Jacksonville, I'd be willing to put it as a question mark, but I think it's a yes more than it's a no. And I'm not saying because Bortles is good, but I think as of right now, Jacksonville has somebody in their plans. Yeah, and they gave him what, like basically two, a, a three-year a deal, year? but two years of like real yeah. money. Okay, so he's a guy. Houston has a guy. The Titans has a guy. I'm not as high on Mariota as everybody else is, I don't think. I'm not sure. The Colts have a guy who's hurt a lot. Um, and they have Brissett, who everybody loves, too. Although he's right. a free agent after this year. Redskins have a guy. Alex Smith. Eagles have two guys. The Giants at least have a guy for the short term here. The Cowboys have a plan. The Rams love their guy out here. The Seahawks have one of my favorites. 49ers. They have a guy they paid more than anybody else until another guy got paid. Arizona has Bradford and Rosen. Green Bay. Freaking Superman this weekend. My God. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this making the rounds, the comeback wins or short wins or whatever. I don't know if I can find the stat. I mean, I guess I could look at it last night. Let me see. I think I can actually pull this up because somebody was tweeting at me last night. I did catch a ton of heat. Well, no, I mean, it literally depends. Like, if the the screen grab of Trubisky not hitting, I think it was his tight end in the back oh, of the yeah. end zone, and then they <laughs> turned it into a thing on Sports Center last night. I just, I think screen grabs in sports are so incredibly unfair. I think somebody actually posted the whole play, the video. Like he he that window was closed immediately. And yeah, if he had like, thrown that ball. Yeah. It was picked by two different guys. Exactly. So, um. And Stanford Steve even broke it down and was like, if you look at the play, it was a throwback to his left. So, um, I don't know. Then Ohio State guys got involved. God, that sucked. I'm scrolling through this right now, trying to find this one Aaron Rodgers stat, which is something that I'd done years ago because I thought it was so important because Rodgers had this terrible record in close games, but in some ridiculous number, like of the of the fifteen losses, Rodgers actually took his team down and went ahead in eleven of the fifteen, only to have the defense give it up. So it it was absurd. I think he has seventeen times in a loss where he's brought the team down to either tie or give his team the lead. And all right, all right, here it is. Yeah, I found it. I can't believe this number of times in the first ten years as starters. So that's. Rodgers' first 10 years as a starter, Farr's first 10 years as a starter, led teams to fourth quarter or overtime scores to tie or take the lead. So I guess that includes some of the new rules in here. Favre had done it 34 times. Rodgers has done it 36 times. Defense blew the lead and Packers lost. Rodgers has had it happen to him 17 times. 17 times! And... When people who don't like Rodgers, Skip Bayless, Cowherd it sometimes. I think Cowherd's finally coming around on that one. But Skip, I mean, he's he's never going to give that. I mean, that is till death do us part takes. Um, he, you know, you just go, no, no, no. Actually, there's 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 some nuance in this thing. No, wait, no, this helps my argument. Shut up with that. So yeah, I think the Packers are okay with Rodgers. Detroit has a guy. Chicago. Here's going to be my Trubisky breakdown. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. 
That's all I got for you. <laughs> That's all I have. Carolina has a guy. Atlanta has a guy. Back-to-back MVPs. The Saints have a guy. And everybody's new favorite backup, Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, are, is anybody sensing a theme here? No, I'm not saying all 32 teams are great at quarterback. But when you hear people say there's just not enough quarterbacks and you hear them say it over and over and over again. Like if somebody says to you, yeah, there's just not enough beach property. Okay, but that, well, that means that if, if there's, there's never enough, then that just means that that's what the level of available beach property is. If you keep saying, oh, the quarterback is just not enough, oh, the spread, this, that, whatever. I've gone back and looked at like 10 and 20 years. We're in actually a great phase right now. And yes, some of this is the excitement of the unknown. But other than Tannehill, and I'll put Tampa in there because I don't know what to do with Jameis. I don't know that they know what to do with Jameis. And I'm not going to go off of Fitzpatrick's awesome game. We've seen this Fitzpatrick teaser. I mean, Fitzpatrick's like mozzarella sticks, you know? Like, God, is that first one terrific. But you can't eat it for dinner. I mean, I guess you could, but you know what I'm saying here. Um, Van Pelt always had that cheesecake analogy, right? Like, one bite is incredible. And cheesecake, Van Pelt will just go, if there's a piece of cheesecake that's like a communal one, he will go back door on the slice and cut down all the extra crust and pound it that way. He won't go front entry, side entry. He'll go first, swipe at it. I respect the move. It's a pretty only child move. It is, but it's and honestly, was, it's do and, you. like That's the best part. Let's be honest. Yeah, and that's so not like him, though, in a way. Like, it, the presentation of Scott is different in that I wouldn't want anybody to think that I'm going to do this. But he's just like, back off. Although, we're, when we've done it before, like, I don't think anybody cared. Half the table's hammered anyway. So I mean, we um, had dudes here, ESPN Radio talent, that used to just, like, if there was a pile of donuts, like, take a bite of a donut and put it back in the pile. Cowherd would, would <laughs> bite separate donuts and put them back. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to name names, but yeah, you know. That's... <laughs> no, Cowherd was one of the weirdest eaters I've ever seen. I've seen him steal French fries off a kid's plate that he's not that close with. It's not his kid. Cowherd's one of my all-time favorites. We understand this, but he has a few social things where you go, what? Like, who who touches food? You know who's a psycho is David Pollock. If they bring up food to the game day set, He'll lick the sweets. He'll lick them so that he doesn't eat them. What? Yeah. And then you go, well, here, there's also this other approach you could have. You could just not eat them and have more cookies for other people. Well, I'm confused. Why would he lick them? Like, that ruins it for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to make sure it's ruined for him, but he's also ruining it for everyone. But I would lick a piece of food that I, you know, I would eat a piece of food that I had already licked. Yeah, I think it's some weird psychotic like it's almost like you ever buy something and then you go i didn't really need to buy that and then i'm going to return it but the act of buying it actually made you feel like you did something yes for sure right Right. i've done it um for whatever reason i was like i'm really going to buy this weird pair of sneakers that i just want to do and i felt like i accomplished something and they showed up i go this is stupid i'm never going to wear these and i sent them back but whatever it was in that moment, I felt that I needed to. And it's a little different, I think, than just straight-up retail therapy where if somebody's bummed out, they're like, I'm just going to go buy a bunch of half shirts. Because um, who's not going to be in a good mood with three or four new half shirts to wear that week? But um, I think I think Pollock, because he's such a diet, non-sugar guy, 
that there's some weird thing that he's doing there that that makes him I don't know. It just it works for him, right? I don't get it, but hey, whatever works for you, man. I'll go look at sweets sometimes, knowing I'm not going to get them, which is kind of weird. But I don't lick them. I don't lick them so that then no you got to look gonna... who's around. Like, cause a lot of times you don't want to. If someone's looking at you, you'd be like, "Oh, there goes Rosillo grabbing a donut again." Like, it's kind of an embarrassing thing to do. Like, what, I just see that because donut in front of people. Well, because we have so we have like in the hallways at here at ESPN. There's two studio, studios next to each other, and there's big windows in front, and everybody puts food kind of on this table in between the two. So if you pick something up off that table, anybody in either studio can see it. And they're definitely judging you, I, like every time. Like I'll walk over and I'll see somebody just sort of look at the selection and then kind of look around and make sure nobody's looking and they'll grab one, right? Because they don't really want to take a donut in front of people. They don't want to be the guy that just like comes in there and just like keeps taking donuts. Wait a minute. So guys are actually like you have a little bit of a social anxiety kind of insecurity yeah. about – so if there's a donut and you want to eat a donut, you will – be less likely to grab the donut because people are watching you through sure. glass and radio. For sure. And not even just... Yeah, but you're not... What's your hang-up? Like you're It's not, not really a me hang-up. I'm saying I've observed people doing this, and I know I know it for a fact. Like, they'll, they look around, and they peek to see who's going to see them take the donut. No, no. That's not it at all. I mean, Golik doesn't care at all. He'll take whatever. But everybody else definitely does a look to see, hey, who's looking to see what I'm taking off this table? Yeah, more people should live like Golik. I mean, Golik's in terrific shape when you go back to his pre-Nutrisystem days. I mean, he was big, dude. And now he'll just, he'll have a donut. I mean, part of me always kind of likes that Cowherd is so comfortable that he'd just be like, yeah, hey, I'm going to take a bite of this one and I don't like it. Now I'm going to put it back. Like, it sucks, but there's something I also admire in there. That you just <laughs> don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> And they'd be like, ah, yeah, I bought it, yeah, I bought it, yeah, an old fashioned took a bite, no, did chocolate, eh, didn't like it, didn't really like it, yeah, yeah, you know, couldn't, didn't want to waste it, yeah, but you bit into it, dude. People don't like yeah. that guy though. That's the problem. Like that, that's not, that's not a guy that people are like wanting to get behind. Like they're like people that guy's are so kind of weird about their food. People are really weird about food, and I don't mind. Like I don't like when people order for me. I don't like when people do communal stuff. I went out to dinner in L.A. with an agent, and he started, like, stacking chicken parm on top of artichoke dip. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, do you, you know, can I just order my own chicken parm? Like, is that, does that make me a bad guy? So, um, okay, so back to the quarterbacks. I don't think this is crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I think you could argue 30 of the 32 either are super happy or have a plan moving forward to at least be excited about. And you could make it 29 if you want to take Jacksonville out of there. You could say maybe there's some skepticism. You know, I'm not saying Chicago's super happy after Trubisky year plus one, but there, there aren't six or seven teams starting the year going, we're screwed or we at least have no one to evaluate. And I think that happens in other years. Okay, that'll do it for us. Subscribe, rate, and review the Rosillo Show pod. We're trying to figure out maybe a couple live shows. I want to do one out in Manhattan Beach. I just do. I want to have everybody come out that lives in the area, and we'll do it up, and we'll do meet and greet, maybe fly Saruti out here if we could. I, that's what I'm hoping for. They asked me about doing a live one. I want to do it right in Manhattan Beach. I want to do it right down the street. I would love to do it at Shellbacks or Sharks Cove. I'm serious. Like, I would love to do that. I think the places would let me do it and just make it, like, just show up in board shorts and a t-shirt. That's what I'm going to wear. I don't have board shorts, but you understand what I'm saying. And just make it real lax. Just live Rosilla. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, hopefully, I, and I'm sure we can get a sponsor for this, would be the All-Star Game. 
So NBA All-Star game, not MLS. Okay, we'll talk to you next week.